And and he's no, I lost it. Fuck, what was I gonna say? This is me today, dude. I hear you, dude. I had one of those days myself. <sighs> the garage. I'm Corey Cope. I'm Freddie Waff. We have our second box of candy for the month. And you already know this. It's Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings. I know I, I'm going to say and I should have looked this up because we I'm only using this, uh, the comparison and for box office of was this his biggest hit. I can't remember. I mean, gotta be Uncle Buck would have been closer, right? I'm going to say this is probably his biggest hit. I would. I would bet. Box office. Yeah, it did like 154, something in there. Um, World, it, worldwide, yeah, 150, yeah, yeah. 160. Yeah, I know, like and did, did some decent business. Anyway, everybody knows this movie. I don't know, I don't, very few people haven't seen it, or at least they know of it. Right. But what I got reminded of really quick, and again, I, I can guarantee you this, I had not seen it since I saw it in the theater. Uh, I'm going to say I saw it in the theater, and uh, also it was on... Uh, I, when I lived a long time ago, when I lived in a place down near Anaheim, <laughs> we had, you know, everybody had a black box, right? Cable. And it was, this was a movie that was on like, you know, when you would pay four ninety nine, and we had a black box. I mean, it wasn't mine, but Hey, but this movie was on all the time. Like literally every time I, yeah, yeah, it's cool runnings again. And you know, they would, we would screen it a hundred times a day and they every 90 minutes it would show up. So I've seen, I'd seen parts of it a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. But I mean, not since then. I probably haven't seen it. I hadn't even thought about it, honestly, since about 1993 or four. Oh, I was going to say that this is a, there, there's like, there's a couple of things related to Karate in the Garage we're coming back to. Um, one is that we are getting a John Turtletop movie that came sometime before Sorcerer's Apprentice quite and a bit. Ph- right. This is like his big hit before Phenomenon, right? This is like the yeah. movie that like, this is a movie that, that launched him into that, you know, next tier of directors. Right. And it, and it kind of fell into his lap because somebody else was all set to direct it when it was a serious movie. Cause it was, was supposed to be serious. It was supposed to be a serious sports movie like Miracle or something. No, it like. is though. I mean, I think it is a well, serious well, sports th- movie. I think it is, but, but it's, it's a playful, it's playful, you know, it was far less comedic. And then, then the moments that you do get in there, that those moments of levity in there are, they seem genuine and they don't seem forced. This movie would took so long to get going. Cause I mean, it was, it's, it's running down the 1988 winter Olympics of Jamaica blood team. And everybody knows the story, but the story and how they get there is pretty interesting. Three of the four sledsmen in this they were all sprinters trying to qualify for the summer games for the for Jamaica's right tri- for Seoul for right. Seoul Korea the Seoul Olympics right yeah and ironically <laughs> one of the three tripped the other two and halfway through the, the final qualifier of them to, to make the squad and, right. and, top four guys go to the Olympics. <laughs> And it was so brilliant about it. it was like this is why they succeeded. Had they 
you know, for succeed for qualifying to actually be in the winter games, had they not had, I mean, this is the thing about the movie and I'm going to jump right to the, what happened to them in real, and for real that they didn't finish their first run of the official, their official first run. They use a, a used sled and like not a, just not a used sled like recently, but like, <laughs> no, like from the 1950s, <laughs> yeah. it looks like the kind that you put a quarter in outside of a grocery store when we were kids. <laughs> And it would move, right? Like it looked like they took the rocket right. part off of it. <laughs> and they put some hockey skates underneath. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Unfortunately, it falls apart and it happened to them for real. And, and it happened and right at a point where it was super, it's already a dangerous uh, event anyway. And it was. Now, did they take some creative licensing? Because I, I want to, is that true? I mean, did, there, did the thing really come apart like that? Or is that, was that just for, you know, to. For the feel-good dramatic end. I mean, it was a feel-good story anyway, but I feel, is that part 100% true? Do we know that that happened? I could not verify that it was legit or if it was. It felt like a, it felt like a, like the close-up on it. And I mean, like, I get it, but it felt a little like, hey, look, look we, we got to put a little something. I don't know, man. It's my only like question. Everything else I love about this movie. And that's yeah. part, I hope that that is why they put it in there because otherwise. I love the, I love the use of the, I love the use of the real footage, by the way, when they're showing oh, yeah. the TV. That was great. Dude, it's fucking, it's pretty crazy. The story itself is just so improbable. Yeah. And the fact that in the amount of time that it takes from the moment when they finally convince Irv that, you know, they're serious and, and that he should take his shot. I mean, it's pretty incredible. I mean, just the fact that they were able even to compete, right? Not only compete, but they 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 might have won a gold medal or at least a bronze. You yeah, know, they would have placed. And I mean, it, it is a feel good story. It is like miracle. And oh, there's a slew of these type movies that then they keep making them. And I don't know anybody who doesn't like this movie. Like when you when you brought when I, I brought this movie up to people just randomly since we covered it, you know, and watched it. People who are 10 years younger than us right. and even people who are 20 years younger than us know the movie. Right. They saw it when they were little and they've seen, and everybody loves cool runnings. I don't, I've not come across anybody yet who it has said, oh, I don't like that movie. Yeah. It's kind of hard not to like the movie, even though this is part of our box of candy. John Candy's not in it as much as he is in the, no. in obviously in summer rental or the, our final movie of the month. Right. But He's in there at the right moments, and there is something to be said about Leon, Dougie, Doug, Malik, and and Raul Lewis. There, they they have an, a chemistry that between is between the four. It's amazing, right? Yeah, it is. When you consider the the background on how much the 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 casting changed, every I mean, all four guys had been sitting. They were they were positioned and cast for two or three other different actors for right. every part. And to get to that point of having that camaraderie to where you felt the chemistry, but you also were, you had a couple of guys that weren't, well, one of the guys, but particularly in Malik's character, Yul Brenner doesn't like anybody. Right. <laughs> the, but you feel it. You, you feel like these, all these four dudes came together. And that's what these kind of movies are always about. And this is why Hollywood has always been interested in telling this kind of story. It's not always just the underdog. It's like, it just can't be the underdog. You have to have, pleasant personalities or depending on the tone of the movie, in this case, pleasant personalities. Sometimes you want them to be super aggro, like, like a Rocky or something along those lines or bad news bears is like very similar to what this tone is, where it's just kind of, it's serious, but at the same time, it's it has its moments of levity. Leon, you know, and I did, by the way, I never knew his last name until I saw this movie for the first time because 
Right. Before that's this biggest his claim to fame was being Black Jesus. Biggie was Black Jesus and Madonna's like a yeah. prayer video. And what a great video is, by the way. It's still one of my favorite videos because man, that's some we talked recently about music videos and that imagery that we just don't get anymore where people are just going, let's make a music video where we're just gonna piss people off. <laughs> right. Well, dude, that's the whole thing. Remember Pepsi like fucking dropped Madonna? I think it was yeah. this big fucking catastrophe. It, yeah. The other thing, I mean, I'm a music fan as you are. Leon, dude, has played David Ruffin. Right. <laughs> Little Richard. Yes. <laughs> and he's also in the Five Heartbeats. In the Five Heartbeats, yeah. He has worked steadily for the last 30 to 35 years. Yeah. In front of the camera and also behind the camera. I mean, Leon has been, and dude, he's in Cliffhanger. I mean, there's a ton of stuff. Like, right. I feel and like he's somebody we've seen a lot growing up. I didn't watch a lot of certain eighties movies that we, he was in like he's Band in, of the hand. He's he, oh, see, I love Band of the hand. Me too. But uh, all the right moves. And we just talked about Flamingo kid with Richard yep. Crenna last week. And he's in that to get a small part in that, but he's in so many movies that you're like, Holy shit. Holy shit. And of course he plays killer B in colors for Dennis Hopper. Yeah. yeah. He, he's great in that too. Above the rim. We talked recently about about movies that have all these people up and coming in there, and this is another one of those. Colors was another one of those movies where you're just like, wow, lots of people came out of it. But yeah, above the rim, like you just noted, while waiting to exhale for Forrest Whitaker, that he's he's one of those guys. Like you notice, he's. I mean, I didn't know he was going to be 61. Yeah. In March, 61. I thought maybe he had a couple of years on us, but yep. no, <laughs> 61. Oh, I know. But when you think back about how long ago, like to be a young and up and coming actor in colors, dude, that's yeah. 30 plus years ago Yeah, at this point. So I, I mentioned earlier about first time meetups. So Dougie Doug is in this and Raymond J. Berry both were on Justified together. Yeah. <laughs> Not Crazy, in any right? scenes together, but they were, again, this movie has a lot of people and you're like, oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. Yeah. I had no idea that Barry was in this at all. I didn't remember. Again, it's been 30 years. I don't remember it. Who else is in this that would just, well, I mean, I, Dougie Doug really is the guy that kind of handles all the, the light lifting on the comedic stuff for a lot of obvious, obvious reasons. Right. And here's the thing, dude, he's really, he's fun. He's charming. He's not trying too hard. His you know what I, I would, when I was watching it, I thought, God, you know, you know what this performance reminds me of? Like, it reminds me of Robert Townsend in the Mighty Quinn. Yeah. A little bit. Yep. I feel like the movies were kind of made around the same time. And like, I, dude, I would pair these movies together. Even the, the, the subject matter is nothing like, but the vibe is kind of similar. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. It, they're fun. We, and we talked about Malik Yoba being on New York Undercover. We yeah. talked about this off mic last week. Yeah, he's, dude, he's so good in this as Jill Brenner. And, I, I, and one of the mo moments in this movie makes me laugh. And I, I really, I laugh probably the hardest because again, it had been a long time since I'd seen it. Was everybody busting his balls for name, for that, that his name was Jill Brenner? I'm like, Dougie Doug, your name is Sanka Coffee, dude. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I thought the same thing. I was like, well, hey man, there's not a lot of room there to talk, Sanka. Yeah, Sanka. Being the age that we are, we knew about this. I mean, obviously, you know, dude. I remember, I remember watching it live. Yeah, when watching the Olympics, it was like it made the front page, and they kind of like they they allude to it. Like that's how Junior's dad, who again he's the rich kid in this, if you will, and he sells his car to help pay for the whole trip of them going up there to qualify. 
And dad doesn't know this. <laughs> and dad's got him by the balls. Dad's always like, he's like daddy's boy. And this is something that, that Yule's always busting him about. And Yule, if boy, everybody gets along with him, except for Yule. Yule, like I said before, Yule doesn't get along with anybody, but he's extra, he's extra heavy on junior. And they kind of make a reference to something that, uh, how I first discovered that they were even going to be in the games, the front page of the sports section. Yeah. Kurt Hempel is Irv's old coach. And we discover um, early on why Irv is where he's at. You know, he isn't wallowing in self-pity and rum. Yeah. He was a man that was at the top of his game when it comes to sledding. He was the gold medals. And going forward, his third, he puts some extra weights at the front of their sled, which is obviously illegal. (laughs) That cheating cost him not only that third medal, but it cost him his other two that he won because of this, his old coach, Kurt was going really going out of their way to make sure that they were disgraced and mocked at every step of the way, which they already were anyway, when they went to qualify. So he makes sure it makes the front page of every global newspaper in the world. And this is how junior's dad finds out that he's not where he says he's at. He's up in Calgary qualifying for the winter Olympics. That's how I found out about it. Even long before the games, it was this Jamaican bus, and it was it, it was late night fodder, and for the longest time, long before the games, I mean, I remember Carson just <laughs> tearing them apart. Letterman was the same way. They just went at it for a good, I don't know, couple of months, and they get there, and all of a sudden. They qualify. They like legit. They get their first run. They qualify, and one of the things they had working against them, obviously, it wasn't just the fact that they were Jamaican. They've never had a, a Winter Games entry whatsoever in any event, much less bobsledding. Yeah, I mean, I it, dude, I remember it was it was kind of like a fucking universal joke, like you know, it, right? Because we we still got the newspaper delivered to my house when I was a kid. You know, we would get the uh, San Francisco Chronicle in the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, this the sports page was called the Sporting Green, and it was green. Like that section of the paper was green, so like the paper would come, and I would literally snatch out the Sporting Green. And I didn't have to tear my dad's paper apart because it was green. I just pulled the green section out because he didn't give a shit about sports. But I remember that's kind of how I discovered it too. And there, you know, and I was like, well, that's that's kind of cool. And I remember my buddy Derek; he ran track, so he was way into the whole thing. And so we kind of followed the story. And, and and I remember being super like bummed out when they didn't win. Right. It was, it was a legit thing. And, you know, and we knew that they'd be back. And it's funny that I feel like they, they had to really fucking get on this from, there's a four year window right before the Olympics right. to get this cast and to get it made and to get it released in 93, what, about six months before the move, before the next Olympics right. had come out. I bet it boosted, not only did it help the box office this movie, but I bet it boosted the ratings of the, was that the Sarajevo? Was that, was that the next year? Was that 92? Was it? Uh, I think Sarajevo. Oh, no, wait, it, this came out after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This, Sarajevo, this, right. So they'd already been back to the Olympics. Yeah, this, this came out the, 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 the spring before uh, the, the summer the spring games. after, yeah, the spring after the 92 Winter Olympics. Right, right. Right. God, see, I can't even count. 84, <laughs> fucking 90, <laughs> fucking, that's why I'm working in the art department, buddy. That's not, I'm Adding, subtracting, yeah. <laughs> Fuck math. Um, <laughs> you don't need it in the art department. Mm. 
do my research. I do, here's the thing. I don't remember this at all. You know, there's always a motto that goes along with every games, whether it's summer games or the winter games. And for Calgary, it was coming together in Calgary. Is that was that the X-rated version? Yes. Like, yes. Right? <laughs> cool Cummings. Right? <laughs> Star whores. <laughs> oh shit. Uh I there's very dude the scene where candy comes in in front of the board i mean it, oh, yeah. it's such a cliche moment in these type movies but it's so good dude it, it's 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 the keystone moment for him in this movie right, right? right. it's where we they reveal everything about her right. and uh you know it's that moment that you're waiting for from candy in the movie and then when it happens you're like fuck yeah yep. and then you know that everything i mean you already know anyway that they're going that they're going to get reinstated, right? I mean, because that's because that because because that's seventy three right. minutes into the movie. There'd be no movie if he didn't get reinstated. It'd be like, fuck! Oh, what, what? We came all this way. Yeah, it speaks to John Candy and again why we love Candy and why and why we're covering his movies this month. It's that honest, kind, humane those all those qualities that John Candy could put across. Even in the most cliched scene, because if it's not what he's saying that affects you, it's the emotion and the power right. behind right. the words, right? And again, he's it's the honesty that is in all yep. John Candy performances, except for maybe <laughs> Who's Harry Crumb. But even that has its uh, moments. And everything about this, I feel like everybody, they're so earnest in this movie. Like the, the four bobsledders, they're all fantastic. This might be... As far as like Leon's performances, I might, this might be the most lighthearted performance I can think of that he's done, and, but he's believable. It's not like you're like, oh, come on, man. The earnest, the whole thing, right. like the little montage where they're trying to convince Irv to be their coach, dude, because, you know, montages, how I feel. sometimes I'm like, oh, here comes the montage. <laughs> this one is really kind of endearing because it's silly and it's fun and they're having fun. And, and, the, and the two yeah. guys are so honest, dude. Every time Dougie Doug says sled yes. God, I just would laugh and f- smile. But there is the one moment that we were talking about because this is only what a year, six or eight months, maybe before right. he, John had a heart attack. And there's the moment where the two of them, they, John, he opens the stall to go to the bathroom and I, I know they're both there and, and he grabs his heart and I'm like, oh, no. no. And I think that might be why I haven't watched it because I know that this is the, his last complete movie that he did. Wagon Z, sure, but he he died while shooting that, and it, and that I think that might be why I didn't go back to it. I mean, we we talked last week too, just shooting the shit before. Actually, actually, was Saturday, it was Sunday before Kickstart, about how he doesn't look. I I didn't look as healthy as I remembered him looking, and I and I think maybe it might just be the contrast of seeing eighty five John Candy and then jumping to jumping to yeah. ninety two. Oh. No, no, because dude, it's it's pretty odd. I mean, he just doesn't look. You know, he's definitely not the no. same John Candy he was in Summer Rental. I mean, he's he's bigger. Yeah, he looks unhealthy. Obviously, he was. We, you know, we didn't know at the time, but like seeing it now and watching those movies so close yeah. to one another, like a week apart, it's really obvious. Because watching Summer Rental last week, I was like, oh man, you know, he was just a big dude. And eight years later, bigger dude, yeah. and he he just didn't look good. And there was a certain energy that he can't had. Even when he's been yeah. larger, he, there's certain energy in planes that you don't get here. But in all fairness, the planes, that's only two years after a summer rental. Right. 
Uncle Buck, I'll use that. That's probably the best example. That's probably the biggest he was before this. And he still had a certain yeah. energy there that he just didn't have here. He seemed tired. Right. I'm not trying to bring anybody down here. It's just that obviously we can't talk about the last movie that he completed movie that he did end up being probably his biggest hit ended up being his last completed movie before he passed. Right. So it's hard not to reference that, but he's still John Candy. And like you said, that you noticed this and it's not, it's in the back of your mind the whole time knowing this is the last thing, complete thing he did till you get to the boardroom scene. And then right. like, oh, there it is. You know, that, there it is. Right. It's almost like he saved everything for that moment. He's good in it. He's still charming. But at the same time, I have to remind myself, he's kind of supposed to be a dick for the first two thirds of the movie. And there's a certain sadness that right. works for his character. And I mean, again, Irv fucked up. And he's been living with that for 20 years. Like Dewey Oxberger says in Stripes, it's a lot of aggression yeah. along with a lot of cheeseburgers. <laughs> so, you know, Irv's that guy. And, you know, and that's what happens. It's like you live with all that. Maybe part yeah. of its performance, I don't know. But uh, this movie yeah. is super fun. I was thinking uh, as, as we were watching it the other day, I was like, dude, we could have done a whole, we could, this could have fit in another month if we just wanted to do yep. movies about the Winter Olympics. We could have done this, Miracle, Eddie the Eagle, and Downhill Race. You, know, you have to mention, since you mentioned Miracle, I mentioned Miracle earlier, Kurt Russell was up for the role of Irv and the studio was dead set on him, yeah. on, use, on, on him. And John Candy was the one that convinced him, like, no, 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 no. It's got to be me. I'll even take a pay cut. And he did. Right. We should talk about the yes. other weird, the other moments of like, because Darice, Leon's character at one point right. was maybe going to be Denzel Washington. And Sanka at right. one point was going to be Eddie Murphy. Now try to envision what that version of the movie is like and knowing what this version is. It's a totally different movie. Can you imagine Kurt Russell, Denzel and Eddie Murphy in those three roles? It's a totally different movie. I don't know. I don't know that it's this lighthearted. And also poking around, <laughs> trying to find more about casting things. No specific roles were in mind when I found this information, but Cuba Gooding Jr., Jeffrey Wright, and Eric LaSalle. Yeah. Back then, Cuba, Cuba sure. and Eric LaSalle, they were well-known names. And, you know, I, I, Eric was... Right after his coming to America. It was right around, like, soon after this. Uh, but Jeffrey Wright really wasn't that guy yet. So he probably would have been one of the younger guys. I mean... I know he's 57, but we I really wasn't aware of, of Jeffrey until, I don't know, maybe like 15 years ago. Yeah. Basquiat. Uh, I, I mean, the, the first thing I saw was yeah. Basquiat, which is 96, is when I kind of, he first came on my radar. And I, but yeah, before that, I mean, I, I mean, I bet you if I looked at his filmography, I'd be like, oh shit, I didn't realize he was in that and this and that and the other. But it's a, it's a weird thing, right? Like this movie, you think about like all the, all the choices that were made and then, the movie we got is the best version of it. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine this movie with those other people in it. No, no. And it's because these guys are so good in it. And this movie is like, this is like an ultimate feel-good movie. With the exception of Eddie Murphy, all the other alternate castings that we were talking about for the Sledders, those are all serious guys. Yep. Because Cuba, at that time, he was still he was still the boys in the hood guy. And he wasn't, he hadn't done anything lighthearted yet. I mean, if you, if you ignore his his background moment in coming to America. Sure. But also one other person that was being considered for Irv was Scott Glenn. Clearly that was back when it was a serious movie. 
Right. Straight out of Jack Crawfordville <laughs> and Silence right. of the Lambs. The cool runnings. Yeah, that's a whole nother movie. And well, how about Ant and they could have cast Anthony Hopkins as Kurt Hemphill. <laughs> sort of movie. You know what's weird is I, I I always think when I think of this movie, I can't not think of movie that came out the next year from Walt Disney Studios. And do you know what I'm talking no. about? The air up there with Kevin Bacon. Yeah. Like literally, I was like, oh man, are they gonna make one of these movies every year? The air up there came out kind of right after this, and it's you know, it was kind of like, oh, hell, man, that we thought lightning would strike twice. Yeah. And it did to a certain extent, I think. I, I don't know why, but I have that. When I think of Cool Runnings, I always think of that movie as well. And I think it's because of the, the release and sort of the marketing. It all kind of felt very similar. Yeah. I mean, I mean it, it didn't. It barely made its budget back. But, you know, you noted it was Paul Michael Glazer and, he, you know, he was coming off of Cutting Edge. So pick. <laughs> yes, not surprised he did uh, another sports movie, but he knows how to work that, that that story well. I don't think I've ever seen the air up there before, though. I don't think I've seen it. Oh, look, it's another movie. It was another one of those movies that was um, to me. It was on cable all the time. You know, black box days. Still lived down. Still lived <laughs> down there. And we still had the black box. And, hey, guess what? Cool Runnings isn't on, but the air up there is on. I've seen. I've never seen the whole movie. I've only seen parts of it. I remember, I felt I like the marketing. I felt like it was the same, the same vibe. Pretty sure it was Disney. It was Hollywood Pictures, so it was Disney. Yeah, see, so there you go. Yeah, well, I mean, all these movies were them. You yeah. know, it was that's it was Hollywood Pictures or Touchstone. And Hollywood sure. Pictures were always the ones that kind of leaned on more on the adult-oriented. Right. Mid, mid-range um, budget movies. Yeah. Yeah. Eh. Eh. Now, these are the kinds of movies that we talked about, you know, on the show often. They just don't make these kind of movies anymore. And I don't mean specifically the content or the story being told. It's just that mid-range thing. But there was a point there. And I, this has a lot to do with why they stopped making them. Even with Kevin Bacon in this kind of movie being a draw, it didn't perform well. Barely made its budget back if you ignore the P&A side of everything. Right. This, this is what we were starting to see is right at the beginning of multiple production companies sticking their fingers in the in the pot. The air up there, Hollywood Pictures, Interscope, Polygram, that's it. But that's, I mean, right then, that's right. a lot. That's a lot of people involved. We weren't starting, we weren't going to start to see that until Indies really started getting. Sure. You get 6 million budget and 16 production companies. Yep. <laughs> hey, if everybody throws in 100 grand, yeah, you get your 89-minute movie and 86-minute run times. So you got first three minutes of seeing slates from everybody at the beginning. Correct. <laughs> but we're not talking about that. We're, we're not. <laughs> we're talking about cool runnings. Cool runnings. When when you have something like Turtle Tob, and, and he kind of showed us a little bit. When I was with Pepperdine, he came in and did a, an event, and he talked about this. He talked about uh, the National Treasure movies. He talked about A Sorcerer's Apprentice. Um, and I cut all the, the little segments for it. And he really recognized how important this movie was, not just to his career, but he want, he really went out of his way to make sure their story was told in the best light possible. And he's part of the reason why that comedy is in there and that why that extra stuff is in there. Not just because Candy's was involved, because like we talked about JFK, Candy can play it serious. And he could have. He could have played it with, and really, let's be honest here, Candy isn't the comedic 
moments that he's serious throughout the whole thing. Right. And, and he has his moments, but it's really about the four of them that have all their comedy together. Yeah. I mean, I feel like John Candy was, I mean, he's kind of the glue that holds the movie together, right? Like, right. and I feel like possibly, it's funny, I didn't realize that he had to take a pay cut for Disney to put him in this movie because he yeah. seems like, I, to me, like, why, what do you mean? Why, why wouldn't you? Why, why wouldn't John Candy be the only person you talk to for this movie? Right. Get out of here. Yeah. Because I can't see it without John Candy, you know, right. but again, you know, in an alternate universe, there's the version of this movie with Kurt Russell yelling at those guys. Right. And it's serious. <laughs> like he's, uh, yeah, right? he's yelling at Denzel. <laughs> yeah. He's yelling, at, he's yelling at Denzel Washington and, you know, and we, and we're like, what is this movie? Turtle Top's career, dude. I, I it's funny because I re I remember he had done these, uh, his first couple movies before this, I think they're hilarious. And I remember one of them. I remember driving me crazy because I think it, Richard Mull, Billy D. Williams, and Dom DeLuise. Yeah. And he went from that to Three Ninjas to this. Right. So, you know, and then, dude, then he struck gold. Because, I, I mean, after this, while you were sleeping, yep. phenomenon, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, he's never looked back. Yeah. So when we did the thing, he talked about three ninjas, talking about cold runnings. While you're sleeping was brief. He we didn't cover it very much. Phenomenon for not very much either. But National Treasure, definitely in Sorcerer's Apprentice. And this was all done way before the Meg came along. So it was fun. But however, there is one other movies like this have usually have more than one foil in it. Yeah. We've already talked about Irv's foil in it. The Bob Sledders themselves have a foil in this. And their foil is somebody I completely forgot was in this movie, and that's Peter Outerbridge. Oh yeah, playing playing Joseph Gruel. Holy shit! Hey Jamaica, <laughs> so good. Oh my gosh, prick! I was so excited when he was on. I'm like going, oh my god. Yeah, if anybody, if you guys watch Orphan Black, then you know him as Henrik on the show. But he, oh my god, I was like, I had no idea. I had no idea. It was I? I completely forgot again. How many years? 28 years. Yeah, right. I mean, it, dude, it, it's funny because this is a movie that it felt, it feels like I just watched this movie, right? Right. When I was watching it, I was like, oh God, it took me right back to like 1993. And I was like, God, dude, it, it's funny because movies, I don't, I don't want to say that I was less sophisticated, but I feel like there was an enjoyment for me. I don't know if it's because of, you know, the last 25, 28 years I've been working in film that it's kind of knocked the shine off. But every once in a while, like the last two weeks, especially summer rental and this literally, I just sat and watched the movie and I enjoyed the shit out of both of them for what they are. I wasn't like no cynical bullshit. Right. Like, I think we've talked about this before. I sometimes, you know, we get so wrapped up in like the technical aspect that we don't look to enjoy what's on the screen. Right. right. We get, we're overly critical of shit. As the, as the, as the world keeps turning, but right. there's something about both of these movies that I could just sit and enjoy for 90 to a hundred minutes and not think about, Oh my God, look at the, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, not one time that I, was I looking at other th like things in the movie and being like, Oh God, yeah. Oh, they could have fixed this or God, they'd never do that now. They, you know, yeah. none, none of that. I just enjoyed the movie and it's like, it, this is like where the show the premise of the show remembered better, better remembered. Yeah. You know, that sometimes we forget that's what we started this whole show right. about. Right. But these are both movies that are not necessarily better than I remember them being because I always loved them. But I would say 30 years later, they're definitely worth watching rather than remembering. Right. 
And I think one of the reasons why it feels so, because you, we know the story, we know what it's about. And, and these kinds of movies are, they always have a very similar ending. People forget that, you know, Rocky was what it was because, you know, Rocky doesn't win. No, Rocky loses. <laughs> hey, Rocky loses. But it's still an endearing story because it's not about the It's end. about the people, man. It's a it, human story. Yeah, exactly. And that's the same thing with this movie. And that's why I could go 28 years without seeing it. Um, but the one time and initially connect with it and everything. I, I, I was so into this. You're talking about, we've talked about other, other times where we're kind of scrolling through our phones and kind of turn into a radio show sometimes and listen to the movie as opposed to watching it. Right. But I found myself pausing it a lot so I could write my notes because I didn't want to miss anything. Yes, me yeah. too. Like yeah. literally, you know, and I want to say this, there's a, there's a sequence in the movie and you're going to laugh because like, you're going to be like, yep. So it's, it's early on when they're trying to get backing in Jamaica. And <laughs> yeah. so there's a montage of they're cutting. It's the same it's wall. A, it's the same wall. Redressed <laughs> yes. like 19 times. I, I, and, as soon as you said that. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. dude, I'm just laughing because I go through this all the time. Like when I, when we're, you know, when we're working on a film and I have suggested this a couple times, like guys, these are quick pops. Let's just redress this this is shoot in front of the same wall and redress it. It's kind of funny and blah, blah, blah. and they they used to do it all the time in movies. Yeah. Before you know, no, no, God, people will know. Well, fuck yeah, they'll know. But who cares if we're worried about if this is a montage and there's no dialogue over it, most of it? Then what does it matter? Why do we need to find six locations or build six yeah. sets? You want to do something down and dirty <laughs> and cheap? And there it is in a thirty million dollar movie. And I laughed and I was like, God bless it. I'm going to use that from the for the rest of my career when people are telling me that we have to go find nine locations for these bits, where to do them. I'm just going to show them Cool Runnings, that clip from Cool Runnings. Yeah, I had rewinded. I'm like going, wait, is that the same cutout? And I'm like, I'm like dude, little- it is exactly. They just keep, they change the art. They're changing the furniture. Yeah, put, it, putting some- uh, They don't even yeah, paint it. Palm it's the same trees. color. It's the same color. And here's something else. Even though it's redressed, you're supposed to know, at least subconsciously, yes. that it's the same room because- Nobody's talking. They're just laughing. And it works in a subtext because the reason is, is it's like Groundhog Day. It's the same, it's the same response, the same answer from everyone. So why wouldn't it just be the same room? I mean, to me, it totally works. And that's why when they keep cutting to other people, you're not even hearing the first part of the pitch. You're just seeing them laugh. Nope. Yeah. Because we don't need to. We know we, we, it's it's telling us everything, right? And that's why it's funny. Show me, don't tell me. Right. (laughs) And it's, it is funny. It is. And I think that's why it works. It's like you, how many times, how many different versions of that? Like five, six, something like that. I mean, there's, I want to say there's more than like, there's like eight or nine. It's like literally, (laughs) I I was like, are they going to keep going? Oh God, they are. And I forgot. I mean, they do it. Like you, you think, right. Okay. They no, And there's like three more after that. So. (laughs) I would have to go back and count them, but I want to say I feel it feels like eight or nine, and I never got tired of it. It made me laugh every fucking time. Yeah, it's pretty great. Well, see, there you go. This is another one of those things, man. We just go boom, 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 and then then when we're done, yeah, we're done talking about it. Because, like you said, we can go in circles, just like with summer rental, where uh, it's like that that when you used to see a movie or you saw a movie separate from your friend, and you get together and you're like, yes. oh, remember that part? You yeah. know that thing. That's what I find when we both have the same experience. And it's always with these movies. It's always with something from our teens or from our 20s. It's it's never anything really past that window where we were just 
developing our own cinema language, not to sound like a pretentious douche. <laughs> right. But yes, but yes, <laughs> but you just did, but it's okay. Cause but I know I what know, you're saying, but, but I know, but I'm just saying, trying not to, but I can't no. help that. Cause I am right. But well, it's, well, here's the thing again, you know, people tell me, you know, all the time, well, we have to, do, well, we can't really lean into it because, you know, audiences are more sophisticated. I'm like, well, that doesn't mean that they're better or movies are worse because they're not as sophisticated as, I mean, I, dude, here's the thing. This is something that drives me crazy about 90% of modern movies is everything has to be tied up in a neat little fucking bow. And it just, it's bullshit because life's not like that. Nope. So, you know, when I, when somebody, I read a review about something that I, I'll see a movie that I actually do like, and then I'll see people complaining about it. Like, Oh, well, you know, and they left this, there's like, it was again, like somebody writing, somebody from 2000, 17 writing a review about feels like there's a lot of unanswered questions and subplots. <laughs> They're talking about summer rental. <laughs> Fuck off. God damn it. <laughs> Is that really? <laughs> yeah. What? Damn it. I mean, I didn't even look at the ones for the cool runnings. Cause I was just like, if anybody's saying there's some untied subplots and cool runnings, I'll, I'll go jump in traffic. Subplots. <laughs> subplot. Speaking of subplot, that's my subplot. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, there you go. We're two boxes cool of candy into the month. Cool Runnings. John Turtle, Tob directed uh, basically the beginning of his career as far as like the thing that just kind of like was maybe him going. This is probably his his first moped after riding a bike for a while. And that from this point forward, everything was motorized for him and he got bigger and bigger motorcycles along the way. Something like that. Yeah. Cool runnings. Cool runnings. <laughs> Let's call it cool runnings. Oh, so good. Oh, and the dude, egg. The soundtrack. Real quick, dude, the soundtrack for this yes. movie is fucking amazing. Yep. Like I, te I texted you during while I was watching it. I love that Jimmy Cliff. Is it Jimmy Cliff? I think the version of yeah, Wild yeah. Wildlife, it's, the it's, talking it's, head song. Yeah. Wheeling Souls is the cover of it. So yeah. good, dude. It is. So it fucking is. good. Yes. There you go. You want to follow the show on the Twitters? It's at Karate Pod. Same thing over on that uh, Instagram and Letterboxd. If you want to follow Corey on Letterboxd, it's Corey underscore Culp. And on Insta, it's Culprit97. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me at Rockandroller33 on your Instagram. Or you can follow me at Irv, just plain old Irv, at Letterboxd.com. Letterboxd. Letterboxd! Letterboxd.